Call of Duty World of Warcraft The Candy Crush Saga If you're familiar with these games, with these franchises, then most likely you've also heard about the company behind them. Activision Blizzard, one of the powerhouses of the video game industry. This is the company we'll be talking here about today. Hi, my name is Mike, and this is episode number three of I Do The Numbers. Let's go. As always, before we start, please go to our website, idothenumbers.com. Under the reports section, you will find free summary report downloads where we address in more detail these companies that we cover here. You will find additional graphs, charts, metrics. Um, it should be a nice supplement to your research on these companies. As I said, they're free. It's a PDF download. No need to provide any personal information. No need to provide your email address or pay for anything. I do the numbers.com as well. You'll find this and we will now dive right in with Activision Blizzard. There are very few annual billion dollar franchises out there in the video game industry. And Activision Blizzard owns three of them. Let's see where it all began. Activision was established in 1979. It was founded actually by former Atari employees, and they started developing games as a third-party developer for Atari. There was a lawsuit involved, which was settled three years later um, in 1983, after its first real successful release of the, the breakout title Pitfall, which sold more than 4 million copies for the Atari in 1982. Uh, the company went public in 1983. It started making some acquisitions in 1988. The company was renamed Mediagenic uh, and actually stopped really, or I wouldn't say stopped focusing on, on video games, but it also started developing business software, which was a decision that didn't play out so well. The company was, was, was failing. It was highly indebted at one point. So three years after breaking out into the business software development world, the company was acquired by by Mr. Kodik, uh, Robert Kodik. He's uh, still in charge of the company. He found some investors who were willing to help him buy the company and restructure it. Um, it was renamed Activision, or once again named Activision. It went public again, and uh, well, from then on, started making lots of acquisitions in the industry, started developing nice games, well-known games, until 2008, when the company was merged with Blizzard Entertainment and with Vivendi to form what is today known as Activision Blizzard. The company um, completely cut ties with Vivendi, which was still their, their parent company, majority shareholder or, or main show, uh, shareholder to be specific, uh, in 2013 when Activision brought back all the, sh all the shares from Vivendi and split from, from the parent company. And then um, a major milestone or major milestones really over the past five to six years were a the acquisition of King Digital Entertainment, well known for the Candy Crush saga. It was an almost $6 billion transaction that was massive. Uh, Activision Blizzard also acquired Major League Gaming, which is basically uh, focused on esports. 
in 2018, they basically said, okay, we will we will focus more strongly on our own game hosting and distribution service, Battle.net. Uh, we will we will focus more on our core franchises. We will focus more on esports. Uh, you may know the Call of Duty League. We will talk about the Overwatch League here today. So Activision has changed quite a bit since the merger. Today, it's a company that is very much dominant in a few areas of the industry. It has major franchises, and uh, we will see whether this is good, bad, or whatever. Going back maybe to, to the company and the corporate structure a little bit, as I said, established 1979, merged to act, become Activision Blizzard in 2008. Today headquartered in Santa Monica, California, which is in the United States, if you're not familiar with this. Uh, the top management uh, very uh, much still dominated by, by Robert Kotick, who was uh, the man arranging the buyout all those years ago, and he's been in charge of the company for, for almost 30 years now. Uh, and he, yeah, he still still reigns heavy over a company that is basically operating in four different divisions. Uh, the first division is called Activision Publishing, which is uh, the label that publishes the, the tremendously successful Call of Duty games, including now Call of Duty Mobile. They also have uh, games uh, that are tied to the Tony Hawk series, you know, skateboarding games, which were quite popular well, I would say uh, quite a few years ago, they're still around, not 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 contributing much, I would say, uh, to the overall picture, but still still a well-known name. The same goes for the gaming franchise Skylanders. Then, as a second division, you have Blizzard Entertainment. So the second part of the merger all those years ago, this is a company best known for its World of Warcraft games, but also for Diablo, um, for for Starcraft, which was a huge and uh, probably the first esports title ever. Heroes of the Storm, Hearthstone, Overwatch, so very much games that you, you're you familiar with if, you, if you're interested in, in esports in particular. Uh, the third division, uh, you know, when, when, when they acquired King Digital Entertainment uh, in 2015-16, it was completed in early 16. They made sure that this is basically run as an independent division, but but bringing its mobile experience to the rest of the of the organization. Uh, King, of course, known mostly for for Candy Crush, um, perhaps for for Farm Heroes and Bubble Witch, which are newer games that they've been working on. And then, of course, they will also uh, they're also expected to at one point release a mobile a mobile Crash Bandicoot uh, game. Fourth division, very much dealing with everything that is not directly linked to, let's say, uh, normal normal game releases and and, and operations. It's the uh, the Activision Studios, which is is focused on uh, building a Call of Duty cinematic universe. Uh, we will talk about this when when we when we spoke about um, Ubisoft Entertainment on this podcast. I said, well, branching out into movies is not a good idea. Just give give the studios the license and and see what happens. As long as it doesn't hurt your franchises, this is the best way to make money out of it. Activision apparently is, is also moving a bit more deeply into the actual financing these movies uh, and, and 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 developing these movies. Uh, along with with Hollywood Studios, then we have Major League Gaming, and tied to that, the Call of Duty League, the Overwatch League. So very much their their esports engagement is also part of this fourth uh, division. So so much for for the little overview about what the company does, about uh, its history. Let's dive into the financials. Starting with revenues, the acquisition, as I said, almost six billion dollars was paid for King back in two thousand fifteen sixteen. Was it really marked not only a major milestone, but it also is the beginning of a revival 
of the growth phase for Activision Blizzard. If you look at the years 2011 to 2015, uh, by the way, financial year here is the same as the calendar year, so January to December 31st. If you look at this, this, the, the, these, these previous pre-acquisition years, you will see that growth was simply not existent. This was a very stable, non-growing business, always, you know, a little bit volatile here and there, but basically saying 4.5, 4.6 billion US dollars in revenues is what we can deliver. And uh, clearly investors aren't really, really satisfied with that kind of story. So when they made this major move, acquiring King Digital to, to, to strengthen their mobile business, marked a return to actually growing because ever since then the company hasn't been growing super strongly but still with above five percent per year growth has been very different across their divisions um in particular blizzard is, is kind of a concern because it's no longer growing it's actually losing revenue year on year king is very much compensating that and and if you have major releases on on the activision under the activision label like a new call of duty then that usually also helps to have that that division growing so overall, there is growth um, a year after the acquisition when, when King was first, you know, part of this of this organization, uh, they reported revenues of, of 6.6 .6 billion. It grew to 7.5. 2019 wasn't such a strong year. It was only 6.5 billion. But with um, the, the forecast for the current year is, is supposed to, uh, to tell us that they're going above the $8 billion a year barrier, which is, of course, very promising, and it just supports this idea that there is a long-term growth path ahead uh, of this company or, you know, awaiting this company. As, as all, all major developers and publishers, the company makes money by, by selling video games, uh, game subscriptions, in particular World of Warcraft, which is the largest uh, online game subscription-based title out there. Um, they are monetizing on uh, with, with their free-to-play games through downloadable content, microtransactions, in-game advertising, in particular uh, for mobile games, which still has massive potential. And then, of course, they are running their esports league, and they're selling franchise spots for those leagues. Uh, they're selling ad space, broadcasting rights, tickets, sponsorship deals. So this is a whole new world of revenue generation opportunities, um, and in particular Overwatch and also now Call of Duty, uh, which was launched later, is, is actually making quite a splash in the esports field. And as I always say, if, if they manage to help uh, the esports teams, the esports organizations that are not publishing, that are not, not own, owning all these IPs and then maybe arranging the infrastructure, if they can turn a sustainable profitability in the, in the years to come, then esports is going to be even bigger than it is today. It's a very promising growth opportunity. So as I said, uh, the King acquisition really marked a revival of the growth phase. There are some aspects that aren't quite quite promising here while while revenue is growing the the, the number of, of monthly active users which which we will address in our selective dive section uh, on this podcast uh, has been going down continuously and this is certainly something that needs to be addressed but overall growth is there mostly coming from king sometimes being supported by activision and other than blizzard which has lost uh, almost 11 percent a year in revenue from 2016 to 19 the company is very much back on track now, uh, to, to the sources of income, as, as you might expect, uh, digital distribution has become of major relevance. It was only 60% roughly of total revenues before the acquisition. Today, it is 76. The same goes, goes for the shift from, from full game sales to making in-game um, 
uh, or leveraging in-game revenue opportunities. Uh, six years ago, 35% in-game transactions contributed to the top line, which was already quite good uh, compared to their competitors. But certainly, the the roughly 53% we we have today are just proof that with the King acquisition and with a more digital model and with with moving to to longer player engagement for the franchises with with the emergence of the whole esports sphere. Uh, that in-game purchases just just are dominating. And then probably one of the biggest strengths of Activision Blizzard is how balanced um, they are actually operating across platforms. Um, if you want between console, PC, and then mobile revenues, uh, mobile is dominating with, with 44%, uh, with console and PC almost equally contributing to the rest so these is this company is much more balanced than its competitors which are still mainly reliant on consoles which is okay because we have this next console generation uh, being released um and, and and being launched and certainly uh, also being around for the next five to ten years but uh, activision is is already extremely well positioned in the mobile field they they have the experience the learning curve is there ever since king has been on board there has been growth again so this certainly makes the company a little bit unique and it's also one of its core strengths but we will address that uh, in more detail later so while uh, activision the activision label is certainly would, would be struggling without call of duty that's really all they have and, and and blizzard also struggling a bit king being being quite well off um there is there is a lot that is going well for the company in terms of profitability. It's it's once again a highly profitable company. We're talking EBITDA margins in the range of forty percent, which which they 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 usually should be able to deliver, uh, year on year. And and Activision and King, the two divisions, are also the ones that are that are naturally contributing a significant part of the revenue. Blizzard's uh, EBITDA margin for for the segment isn't too bad either, but it just doesn't compete with what Activision and and king uh deliver to the concert so among the three segments um as i said activision and king are, are the more profitable ones uh blizzard still has good, a good margin but it's just not just not there question is whether it can ever return or not uh, that will certainly have to be seen as we know blizzard is still investing heavily in esports um you know but they have all these nice esports titles, the Overwatch franchise, uh, Hearthstone. StarCraft isn't as big as it used to be, but it's, I, I think it still has a very dedicated player base. And perhaps there can be some innovation there in the future. It will have to be seen. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. So as I said, revenue is growing again. Uh, 35 to 40% EBITDA margin a year should be possible for this company. So we're talking about a, a highly profitable organization. And the balance sheet really adds to this terrific foundation that they have. If you if you look at it, balance sheet is not only balanced, but it's really, really strong. A large part of the total assets, uh, total assets uh, of around uh, 21.6 billion last year, or forecasted for this year, sorry, uh, is, is, it sounds quite a lot. And there is, there is let's say, uh, a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet. We're talking almost 10 billion US dollars which is, is in part, of course, uh, attributable to the King acquisition, which added $2.7 billion to Goodwill. Um, so this is what, what makes up one, one side of, of, of the assets. Uh, the other is, is that they have tremendous cash reserves. I'm, I'm projecting $7.4 billion U.S. cash cash reserves for the end of this year. 
So if you take that, the, the almost 10 billion goodwill and the 7.4 billion in cash, this is really what is on their balance sheet. And um, whether you need to worry about the goodwill or not, I would say I, I wouldn't be too worried. Sure, they haven't, they, they haven't been writing anything down, but, but why should they? As long as King is, is not only profitable, but also growing the way it is, there's really no reason to question the, the value of that segment. All the other goodwill, let's just assume that Activision knows knows what they're doing. Uh, perhaps you know they 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 simply use the company as a whole as a cash generating unit unit for their impairment tests. But even if even if someone comes along and says, well, why don't you write off five billion goodwill? If you look at the equity position, uh, which is which is above sixty percent of total assets, far exceeding the long term debt the company has, it would barely make a dent. So I guess this company is super strong, very well well positioned. Other than most of its competitors, they, they are known to pay out dividends. Uh, roughly 20% of net income is, is usually paid out as a dividend, and that's slowly increasing uh, year over year. Um, last year, it should have been, I think, 37%, uh, 37 cents sorry, per share uh, or 40 cents per share. So they've, they've increased dividends by three to four US cents uh, every year, which, which, as I said, is is not really hurting them much. Uh, as an investor, you can always say, I want them to invest this in the business. I don't need them to give me any dividends. I, I consider the gaming industry to be a growth industry, so I'd rather see the stock appreciation because the company is investing in growth, they're managing growth, they're creating new franchises, they're developing new opportunities. Activision has somehow been able uh, in the past few years to balance both of these sides. So we have a highly profitable company uh, with a super strong balance sheet, lots of equity, little long-term debt relative uh, to to what they uh, what they have in terms of of cash reserves and assets. So a company that nobody, from a financial perspective at this stage, uh, should be too worried about. I already said that we do a selective dive, as we call it here. At I do the numbers. What do we do? Uh, we take a particular key metric of of the company. And we look at it in more detail. If you will, will go to the website, idothenumbers.com, and you download the summary report on Activision Blizzard, you will actually see it, that we um, we looked a little bit closer at user engagement. So the monthly active users on a quarterly basis that Activision Blizzard has been reporting for its three major divisions. So what what is monthly active users? What does it mean? It means that it's a metric that tells you something about the overall user base that you have for your games. As we know, extending the life cycle of games and, and making sure that, that players engage continuously with them and, and continuously also spend money through in-game purchases, that has become much more relevant in recent years to, to many, many companies and Activision in particular because they have so many online-based experiences and the mobile experiences. So if you, if you look at, let's say, the number of individual players that access a particular game in a given month, that is, so, so these are the number of active users that you have. And if you then calculate quarterly averages, this is what, what Activision is reporting in its quarterly reports and its annual reports. So let's say, for example, you play uh, 
Call of Duty and you play World of Warcraft during during a certain period, uh, you would count as two users. The same may also go if you access the same game through different platforms. So, for example, you play Call of, Call of Duty on your console, you play Call of Duty on your PC. Could be that they count you as two users. So you should always be a little bit careful when looking at these things. And I guess we're, as, as long as cross-platform play is around the corner and, and the technology should allow to simply have better measure, measurements, it's still a good indication about how many players engage with these games on a monthly basis over any given period of time. Uh, what does it look like for uh, users that Activision has? So let's go through the step-by-step. Step. First, let's look at King. King is the mobile game empire that does Candy Crush Saga, Bubble Witch, etc. Um, I look back over the quarterly, uh, monthly active users between the, the second quarter of 2017 and the third quarter of 2020, for which they, they, they recently released the statistics. And you will perhaps be surprised to see that while King is growing in terms of revenue and is showing nice profitability, the monthly active user numbers have been trending down from, from 314 million monthly active users all the way back in 2017 to currently about 250 million users. So they've, they've if you will, lost 60 uh, 5 million users a month actively engaging with the game while still uh, uh, being being able to increase revenue for King because uh, there's there's now stronger in, you know mobile advertising that they focus on perhaps they're also generating more revenue per active user but overall uh, this this downward trend in, in people continuing to engage with the game is is always I think a reason for concern because you you want this number uh, to go up. I understand that the people may at one point get bored about Candy Crush and about the releases and updates that they make to that game, so they then focus on on other games. Um, but as the player base in general or the potential player base is growing and you have strong mobile assets, then I, I still would want to see that number to be at least flat, if not increasing. But the downward trend that we're seeing, I, I would say, is something that uh, that we should all be aware of. Uh, the same goes for Blizzard. The World of Warcraft franchise is, is responsible for most of their monthly active users that they report, but also a slight downward trend. Uh, most recent number was, was 30 million a month, which is still a lot. Uh, two and a half years ago, it was 47 million, um, 46 million a month. So also here we have a downward trend. Uh, I guess World of Warcraft Shadowland is, is, is very much anticipated and maybe they will, you will see a boost again. This is something that you usually see if, if a new game or an update is released or a major expansion is, is released, that monthly active user numbers go up again. And we will talk about that in a minute when we when we see how Activision's numbers develop. But for Blizzard, this, this really hasn't been the case. Yes, World of Warcraft Classic is a classic and it's very popular and you have a lot of people subscribing to the game and paying money for it. But at the same time, uh, as we see revenues decline in the Blizzard division, we also see monthly active user numbers declining slowly but steadily. And the question is, how do you turn this around? Can you turn this around? Or are you saying this is fine as long as we have an additional growth opportunity with our esports uh, related titles that come from the Blizzard IP universe? We'll have to see how that works. And then finally, uh, Activision also flat for most of the past few years. And when they released Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare and Call of Duty Mobile, so so they decided to bring some of their major, major franchises to, uh, to, to turn it into a mobile experience, you saw user numbers 
uh, increased dramatically from, let's say, roughly 40 million monthly active users for Activision's franchises in total. It went all the way up to 128 million. Uh, that was in Q4 of 2019. It's been a bit volatile ever since and, and slowly decreasing, as is to be expected. But it tells you that if you have innovative concepts and if you take major franchises and you introduce them to uh, to a new platform, this can actually drive player engagement. And this is certainly, let's say, one of the highlights over the past few years in terms of how does the company address decreasing engagement from its player base. Uh, it does so by, for example, releasing Call of Duty Mobile. I think they reported that the game has been downloaded 300 million times since its release, which is just an outstanding number. Uh, if you see videos about the gameplay itself, it's very high quality. It's really a, an outstanding mobile experience. And we will see whether, whether Activision and other companies as well, can continue to do this, um, and I guess with 5G around the corner as a technology boost for mobile experiences, there is a good chance that this is an actual growth opportunity. So what does that mean? That means overall you had a downward trend of monthly active users uh, down from 407 million all the way to 316 million uh, before Call of Duty uh, Mobile and Modern Warfare were released. So you saw this downward trend for the entire organization, for the entire company. Then you had this major boost uh, because of Call of Duty. Uh, it trended upwards, and now it's it's coming down again a little bit. So as we speak here, last last quarter, 2020, um, total Activision Blizzard in total at 390 million monthly active users, which is a huge number. Don't get me wrong, this is outstanding. As you increase your player base, that means you can cater and market your games to a larger audience in the future. Meaning that once you release a new game, you have more people to actually advertise this to. So, so there is a good chance that you can build on this massive number of active users and make sure that you know if your release schedule is tight, if you're delivering new content, that this actually plays out well for you as a company. So we had a positive impact here. What what I maybe want to mention is that um, in Q4, when they released the new Call of Duty Mobile and the Modern Warfare um, game, the thing is that it trended upwards. It had a nice positive impact. What I would have expected is that during the Corona COVID shelter in place, shelter at home measures that were taken across the world, that the number would actually be going up even more. Apparently that has not happened. So the player base was already there, was already engaged, and, and Corona apparently hasn't really contributed much to to engaging new customers, new players with, with the games and franchises. Um, I would have expected that to happen. It didn't. Perhaps that is a sign for just, um, well, let's say a saturation in terms of what these franchises can actually gather and, and players and player engagement. Maybe it's poor marketing. Maybe there's just too much competition out there. Let's just see how this develops. I would say as long as revenues go up, it's okay if you if you don't increase your monthly active users. Significantly still, this general downward trend better better be, you know, better be stopped. This is all I'm I'm saying on the subject. Some of the key metrics um, always relevant is to look at, at how much software development costs make up of total assets um, for, for uh, Activision Blizzard. It's, it's somewhat neglectable, even if you, if you take out goodwill and you reduce the total assets accordingly, accordingly to, to calculate this, it's still super manageable, uh, single digits uh, percentage numbers, really, really nice. 
So this is certainly something that, that they, they have going for them. As I already mentioned, the company is also highly profitable. Let's just briefly look at the return on equity over the last couple of years, always between uh, somewhere 10 to, to 17, 18%. So, so from a mere financial perspective, this company is super profitable. Uh, they're delivering nice returns to their investors. Uh, also super uh, cash rich, uh, a third of the balance sheet is made up of cash reserves. Um, the asset test, so so the understanding of how much of their short-term uh, liabilities could they pay off with the, with the unrestricted cash reserves that they have um, projected for the end of this year is that they will have more than three times uh, the cash that they have short-term liabilities. So super liquid, super solvent. Um, there was a time, maybe maybe just to address this, where where the goodwill exceeded. Uh, the equity of the company that was shortly after the King acquisition. This number has come down again as the company managed to manages to deliver very good returns, um, increasing their equity position. Uh, that share of goodwill over equity has come down. It, it will probably be around 65 to 70 percent by the end of this year, which is manageable. Which shows you, even if they had would have to to write all of that off, which is unlikely, uh, that they would have to impair the entire almost 10 billion goodwill. Why why should that happen? Doesn't make a lot of sense. But they would be good uh, position to actually withstand that. In particular, if you look how much short-term cash they have, uh, and that that the stock is is trading at a nice level where you can actually talk about, uh, I guess. Um, issuing additional shares to just finance these things if, if possible. And it, since it's a non-cash expense, the question is always, how much do you really have to pay attention to this? So I would say terrific balance sheet, terrific profitability, back back to growth. So from a mere financial metric perspective, also when looking at, at the, the, the stock multiples, uh, price over sales or uh, price to earnings ratios, I guess that, as we mentioned before, I, I wouldn't think that gaming stocks are overvalued in particular. I guess there are enough of uh, enough good reasons to to argue that the current levels of trading and valuation that we see are are, you know, maybe maybe plus minus five percent off. But in general, the outlook is just so strong, and the companies, most of these companies, are so strong that you shouldn't worry too much. That certainly goes for Activision Blizzard. When we will do our first stock fights episode, where we where we uh, you know put all of these companies that we talked about in the first few episodes next to next to each other. We compare them in more detail. We look at the industries, we look at stock multiples, and we're asking about relative value. Then you will see that Activision is actually um, holding up holding up quite well. Moving right along, what do I like about Activision and what do I think should be addressed? The likes and dislikes section. First of all, what I like naturally is the strength of Call of Duty. It's a record-setting franchise. Um, it seems that they can churn out more or less the same game every year with tons of add-on content later, and they still get people to buy it and to continuously spend money on this. The Call of Duty League is off to a great start, so we will see viewership and, and audience engagement certainly uh, being enhanced there as well. The future is bright. Uh, they remain innovative. Um, I mean, they, they now brought the Call of Duty mobile game. Um, and if you think about what you can do with these first-person shooters once VR and perhaps even true sweat games come around, uh, I guess the future can be bright. Let's just hope that the Call of Duty movie that they're making isn't a massive turd and hurts the franchise. I, I honestly understand the financial incentive behind this, but it's, well, it's, it's, it's unnecessary, uh, so to say. 
Now about uh, the esports activities, also something that I like. As I said, they run the Overwatch League, they run the Call of Duty League. They were able to to sell uh, the franchise spots uh, to to companies, and I think that most of the, the companies that are now getting involved in the Call of Duty League as actually esports teams are also they have been engaged in the Overwatch League. What that means is that apparently there is a certain level of trust and a certain level of, of understanding that this partnership with Activision Blizzard is is going well. Let's let's just hope you know, that the esports teams can actually become profitable over time. And um, because without without these esports titles, life cycles would, uh, again, be shortened somehow, which is certainly something that puts some publishers under pressure. But I guess we don't have to worry about that. Another plus for the company is certainly uh, the strong performance of King. I mean, Candy Crush, we saw that has maybe user engagement has been trending down a little bit, but we're still talking about 250 million monthly active users. Um, In-game sales are still strong. It's still the strongest app in the U.S. app stores. And um, the nice thing is that there's still some untapped potential from in-game advertising. So I guess you could drive this even further. So King is very relevant for the company, for its overall growth. And I guess um, the acquisition acquisition has already paid off and, and it should uh, continue to do so in the foreseeable future. And then again, um, financials, as I said, the company is uniquely balanced. Consoles, PCs, mobiles, they are, they are strong on every platform. They're, they're evenly balanced. Um, Activision is highly profitable, solidly financed. It has good credit ratings. There's absolutely no reason to complain about the financial performance of this company. Which brings us perhaps to um, to what I think should be addressed. I, I mentioned the, the the declining monthly active user numbers over over the years. Uh, this is certainly something that they should try to pay attention to. Perhaps new releases will, you know, perhaps Call of Duty Mobile can can maintain the current high level. Perhaps World of Warcraft Shadowlands will bring back uh, additional new players on a subscription basis. Uh, we will have to see. But I guess uh, if you if you look at the long term trend, there's certainly a downward trend here, and the company should be aware of that and should address that. Which uh, brings me to the question about the mobile strategy that they have. I mentioned the King acquisition. I think it was a great acquisition. You can always argue about the price, but that was so many years ago. Who cares now? The question is, what does the future hold for King? And as the company uses King's, let's say. Um, technology, knowledge, and its experience in the mobile market to bring Call of Duty Mobile to the market to perhaps also bring bring other major franchises to the mobile world. I guess there's still plenty of room for Overwatch, for example. That all sounds good, but since these games are, are then being, 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 being run on the different labels, the question is always, what else can King do? What, what is beyond Candy Crush? Can they, can they actually develop and publish more games that will that will find 100 150 200 million users over the years or is this basically a one trick pony that just needs to to continuously add to the current user base and, and, and to keep them engaged and hope that you know the incremental innovation and, and changes to the game that is happening are enough i guess some could consider this an odd fit in particular because Activision and Blizzard, they're more focused on very serious games. King and the whole mobile experience is a bit more casual, and now they're, they're trying to, to combine the, the two. I, I ju I'm just wondering what, what else King can bring to the table than its current setup of games and its current setup of users, because uh, I would think that the people playing Candy Crush 
um, you know, the moms, uh, the kids, uh, the daddy sitting on a toilet in the evening, just, just, you know, casually playing the game. What else can you market to them? Um, in, in, in game advertising can, can still be increased, I guess, but I, I just don't think they're, that they're catering to the same cohort as with their other games, which, which are attracting more, more serious gamers and people that are competitive about this. Um, and whether there's actually a Candy Crush uh, mobile esports experience to be had that can be successful will, will I guess, uh, simply have to be seen. Before we talk about the, the potential outlook for Activision Blizzard and its value, its stock, uh, I'd like to give uh, their their CEO, Robert Kotick, the chance to to address or to deliver to us a message about where he sees video gaming and the industry itself going, what potential um, this industry still has. Let's take a listen. Uh, you know, we think that we've established a great pathway for growth for uh, what is going to be uh, probably, if you look at the era of gaming over the last 30 years that I've been the CEO, when I look out over the next decade, I see more opportunity for our company than I've ever seen in the 30 years that I've been doing this. A lot of our franchises have never actually been on mobile devices before. If you think about the history of gaming, most of the history of our industry has been about middle-class customers in very developed markets. But over the last five years, as you've seen the explosion on mobile gaming, we've now transformed the business from a business that operated in 30 or 40 countries to a business that operates today in 200, million, uh, 200 countries. And when you look at the audience size, the addressable awesome. audience has now grown into the billions. And so I think as you see our franchises like Call of Duty migrate from just PC and console to mobile, we're really seeing the acceleration of opportunity. Okay, what is my outlook for the company? Well, I guess uh, it's fair to say that that they will uh, continue to bet big on esports. They already have great franchises. Um, they are ahead. I mean, maybe StarCraft's time is already over, but certainly Call of Duty and Overwatch is, isn't. There is still massive room for expansion ever since the Major League Gaming. Um, acquisition acquisition they have this this know-how this knowledge in-house on how to set up league how to run leagues um and as i said as long as as the esports teams are at one point able to turn a sustainable profit then who knows where this is going my my guess is up all the way up uh second outlook for the mobile gaming as i said king is still strong um they have the know-how they have the technology uh, blizzard and and activision are learning from king's experiences and now with, with having uh, Call of Duty uh, Mobile uh, being released and being successful and Diablo Immortal being around the corner to be another major mobile hit, um, let's see, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what kind of growth potential they can actually, actually tap into here and whether they can sustain long-term player engagement in the field and perhaps come up with a couple of more uh, mobile games that are, that are actually you know, dominating. Uh, the sphere. Then the next console generation, certainly something that is also very nice for Activision. I mean, I, I mentioned that consoles aren't as relevant as they used to be in terms of contributing uh, to their overall revenue, but we're still talking about roughly one third, which is which is uh, more than than two billion, uh, two point five billion euros 
a year. So with this next console generation, with the PS5, with the Xbox Series X coming out and, and certainly being around for the next five to ten years, uh, there should be some great opportunities uh, to, to push Call of Duty, Overwatch, and all these other franchises further. Um, there's always the risk that, that as these console generations transition, that maybe, you know, uh, demand for the old PS4 games, for example, will decrease and it will take time for users to, to adjust and for the install base of these new consoles to increase significantly. But I, I really, long term, I wouldn't worry too much. I guess that the new console generation will contribute very nicely over the next five to 10 years. And then um, I, I said it at the very beginning, Call of Duty, War of Warcraft, Candy Crush, all of them are bringing in a billion and more a year in terms of revenue. Uh, that's rare. That means that there is a certain dependence on these titles. So the question is, can Activision use its strong its strong cash position um, and, and its strong balance sheet to make additional acquisitions uh, brought to, to just broaden their portfolio, uh, you know, if, if they cannot create new hit titles uh, in-house? Um, I mean, I'm... Sure. As the existing setup uh, focuses on, on, let's say, its core franchises and, and esports, uh, new additions to the group would certainly make sense. Perhaps not a, a king-sized deal uh, like they did in 2016, but smaller acquisitions here and there, you know, adding assets, in particular in the mobile sphere, uh, optimizing the current portfolio, helping to stabilize and, and then increase monthly active uh, users, that would actually be something that I would like them to see. And I also think that this is something that we can expect from Activision uh, down the road. Now to the stock and to the company value. Now, um, I think the long-term outlook is super promising for this company. I guess there's a lot more upside um, in terms of valuation and value appreciation over the next five to 10 years than there is downside. Actually, I think that with the current um, market value that they're trading at. Uh, let me look at this. So um, the stock was trading at at seventy seven dollars today. So as I'm recording this, I believe that's that's uniquely fairly valued uh, based on my own projections. I guess there's more upside than there's downside. Um, you you can you can always have a discussion about overvaluation of these companies in general. I personally don't think it's true. Market outlook, financial performance, the new technology improvements around the corner, 5G, VR, cloud gaming, you name it. There's just so much so much growth potential still untapped, still left um, uh, to generate additional revenues that I don't see why Activision shouldn't shouldn't go to $100 per share uh, soon. Um, I, I certainly don't don't see it decreasing significantly unless you have an overall market dip, of course, but we can expect this to be short term. And as I always say, we're about the long term view here and long term. I think that Activision could be a very, very promising company. Uh, ever since 2015, the stock has appreciated, um, increased roughly 26.5 percent per year. That is strong. That is stronger than than what we've seen from Electronic Arts, for example trailing a bit behind uh, Ubisoft, trailing a lot behind Take-Two, um, but relative value is something we will address in the stock fights section two weeks from now. As I said, they are paying dividends, um, so so you have to factor that in as well a little bit. I guess that, that the dividend ratio is, uh, the dividend yield, sorry, is certainly low. Um, but if you're an investor that likes a company that, that somehow balances investment into the future and paying dividends, I guess Activision uh, is a good choice. Now, the, the general gaming hype, uh, the incredible market outlook, as I said, should help the, the stock rise long term. 
Uh, the company is financially super solid. It has great franchises. It has plenty of untapped potential. Um, as long as 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 King isn't the only thing growing uh, year on year in the foreseeable future, I guess that that we could really give this um, a nice nice strong outlook. Certainly, some things need to be fixed, in particular uh, for their for their Blizzard label. But let's see how the next World of Warcraft release uh, works out. Uh, perhaps my concerns are are not as founded as as I think uh, that they are. So that concludes our look on Activision Blizzard. Again, uh, that was my brief summary. What I can say just now is that I would like you to go to our website, idothenumbers.com, look at the summary report, the 10 to 15 pages that we provide as a PDF for free, download it, uh, use it to, to read up on this company, uh, to look at extra metrics and, and additional statistics, and then make up your own mind. Is Activision a company that you would like to, to invest in or not? I personally uh, do not care. And I will not recommend anything to you. All I'm saying is that I believe video gaming in general and Activision Blizzard in particular uh, probably wouldn't be the worst choice that you can make if you are into these intangible asset-based entertainment uh, industry stocks. All right. That concludes episode number three. As always, was very excited to be here and to do this. Uh, we will conclude the video game weeks here at I Do The Numbers over the next two weeks, but next week we will address Electronic Arts, and then the week after we will do our first stock fights section where we talk about a lot about uh, industry, video game industry in general, and of course the relative value that all of these companies that we looked at in detail have, and we will rank them uh, based on certain criteria. I guess there's a lot to look forward to. Thank you for now. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, it always helps if you could leave a comment, both positive and negative. Naturally, I would like the positive ones more, but but you're absolutely free in your decision. Uh, just give us a review, rate us, make sure that this podcast uh, you know, gets known better and better over time so that we can also continue doing this for a long time. That's it for me. Uh, as always, I will make a brief suggestion to Kevin today, see what he wants to do next. Uh, Kevin, what do you say? Perhaps there's something on on, on TV. How about a little rerun of, uh, of The Mandalorian, season one? You're, you're up for that? I just want to lie on the beach and eat hot dogs. That's all I've ever wanted.